Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Brian Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Brian Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. I've got a lot of things that they are doing using. They need to check themselves sometimes. Let's just remember pride comes before the fall. Just here, pride comes before the fall. You heard him correctly. Former guest, one year ago, Coach D. Uh, yeah, it's that week, folks. It's hate week. Uh, it's been it for two weeks, but now it's officially hate week. Um, we got the World Series starting Friday. Um, unexpected Phillies um, run to the World Series. Pretty unremarkable there. Bryce Harper, I called it. He hit the home run to go ahead, and then they end up winning. Astros, to no surprise, are in there as well. Um Red Wings only team that does not have a, regu- a regulation loss so far this year. Uh, doing well. NFL um, almost to the halfway point already. Crazy. Um, college football first CFP rankings are a week from today. Um, college basketball is 13 days away. Secret scrimmages are going on. We love it. Um, yeah, super exciting stuff. Um, can't wait to dive in. This is the 95th edition. That's crazy. We're almost two. 100. That means we'll be about 100 around December 1st. Um, awesome. Well, start off the way we always do. Uh, podium, I will go first. Um, we told you so. All you doubters, all you haters, K9 is him. He is. This dude was hurt for the first couple weeks, kind of eased into it, and then Rashad Penny gets hurt, and he's the feature back. The guy's going ballistic, and I, I'm not in the least bit surprised, nor should any Michigan State fan be surprised, nor should anyone be surprised, because this guy is the real deal. He's the total package. He's catching the ball. He's doing what he did at Michigan State last year. And all, oh, he's not that good. No, he's not that good. He's not the best running back. All right. Keep talking. Unbelievably, he wasn't a Heisman finalist. Because he's, if he keeps playing like this, he's probably going to win rookie offensive rookie of the year. I mean, Reese Hall, Hall was playing well, got hurt. I think Walker is more suited, was going to be more suited long-term anyways. He's more powerful. He's durable. He's bigger. Um, he faster at 22.09 miles an hour on that touchdown run he had. That was, whatever, 68 yards. He's an animal. So, you haters, screw you guys. Because this guy's the real deal, and he's, he's going to win Rookie of the Year. I'm telling you that right now. He is. Caesars think so. Odds on, odd on favorite. Only the second rookie running back in Seahawks history to go 150-plus and two touchdowns-plus in the same game. Kurt, not Kurt, the quarterback, but Kurt with a C. Warner back in the 80s. So pretty remarkable for sure. My podium, we don't talk a lot about baseball, but if you've not seen the movie Moneyball, do yourself a favor and go watch it. There is a line in there, and actually then I saw a TikTok with Bryce Harper's touchdown to like kind of the music of a key scene in that movie, but um, or home run, I said touchdown. Um, 
it, baseball is romantic. It, it really truly is. Like I think back to when I was a kid and collected baseball cards and Cubs run during the day on WGN every day. They didn't play night games until the mid late eighties. Um, you know, the Tigers were worth a listen every night on the radio. Even when I grew up in Indianapolis, I could get them on WJR, especially crystal clear on a clear night, a little static on a knot. Like baseball is romantic. The way the Phillies snapped the longest National League playoff drought, barely eked into the playoffs. They fired their manager after 51 games. And Bryce Harper, megastar, took a lot of money to go to Philly from the Nats in the moment when that's all you would expect of him. Hits a two-run jack to eventually win that game. Unbelievable. The only thing for me that gets in the way of that, because we watched it, we watched it live, and it was it was awesome. It was like, put yourself in the Tigers fan shoes or whatever team you have, their shoes. Like That's when you remember how romantic baseball is until it takes four and a half hours to play a game, until you realize they play 162 games, until you realize the game itself is just kind of too slow. Like, they're putting some things into play next year that I think will help speed up the game. I think it will help. Now, I will caveat this. The in-game, at-the-game experience is probably really the best in sports. It's I've been to all the major sports. It's better than the NFL. It's better than the NBA. Uh, it's better than the NHL. And I would argue that the two best playoffs are NHL and MLB playoffs especially like in clinching games it's just so everything matters every pitch every whatever just do us a favor shorten your season be done when more people could have seen this happen play 140 games be done in at the end of september don't you know you're at this wild time where college football pro football shit the world cup starts pretty soon college basketball starts the nba and all this stuff is converging at once and it's getting lost in the shuffle and that was what was used to be romantic about baseball was the standalone in the summer. It didn't compete against anything. Um, I wish it could get back to those days. I wish the Tigers could get back to those days because that's when baseball was fun. And I'm hoping for it, and I'm hoping for a good World Series. Although Astros are the best team minus the Dodgers in baseball. This is their fourth World Series in six years. They look like a pretty damn dominant team. We've got to root for the Phillies because you got to root for the underdog, but I don't think that's going to happen. So that's my podium. Awesome. Moving on to the tee-up slash personal foul of the week. So I didn't really realize, I guess, this happened. Maybe I kind of heard about it at the time. And I happened to be driving to work on Monday morning, and I heard Dusty or Danny or one of them kind of going off a little bit on Nick Saban in particular. I'm like, what is he talking about? So I asked <laughs> Ryan, look it up. Go back two weeks to the Tennessee-Alabama game. I don't remember the player's name. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's a key player for them, I think, on defense. Um is seen on video, and I think I remember this, the girl actually posted on TikTok or something like that, like, what the hell, I didn't do anything. I get it. You you want to quote player safety because player, you know, the Tennessee fans are rushing the field. Tennessee fans, had they wanted nothing to do with Alabama football players. What girl, what petite female is going to go after a defensive tackle or a linebacker or whatever this dude was and threaten him? So for him to say, and for Nick Saban to corroborate, and worse, Chris Fowler from Woke ESPN to corroborate, oh yes, player safety first and foremost, bullshit. We're not talking about some, you know, hillbilly redneck with, you know, 12 gauge in his hand. We're talking about a petite little college student that got smacked in the side of the head pretty hard by a guy way bigger than her, 
like he looked like he knew what he was doing. I'm just saying. Looked like he's probably smacked around some women before. And Saban gets irritated when they're asking about it and why he got to play. And Fowler defends him and saying, well, it's fans on the field. They shouldn't be on the field. It was after the game. It was harmless. And it happens all the time, Chris. Spare me. If you had a daughter, you would probably be in a little bit of a different boat. There is never, ever, I don't care if it's an athlete, a regular man, there is never, ever a time when it is right for a man to strike a defenseless woman and especially in a situation like that. So Saban, shame on you. You have two daughters. Fowler, shame on you. You're an idiot, and so is woke ESPN. And shame on that player who I don't even know if he apologized or not. Supposedly is in anger management or whatever. Suspend his ass for a game. Make a point that that stuff's not going to be tolerated. This is why people think of football players as animals and goons and buffoons because it carries over to the NFL as well. All right. All right. Got a packed show today because we've got not a whole podcast on hate week this week, but Ryan's going to lead us through four spots of uh, condensed, typical stuff for the podcast, and then spot five all about the rivalry. Spot one, uh, college football and Big Ten weekend review. Um, We'll start Big Ten, uh, game one, Iowa versus Ohio State. Um, I think it's time. Iowa made Michigan State look good. I mean, uh, Michigan State at least scored one of them, offensive gift, but they scored two offensive touchdowns in that game. Iowa is awful. They are so bad. Three offensive points. They're, they're, Six they're, turnovers? Yes. Yeah. Unbelievable. They benched bad. Petrus for Padilla in his first snap. He fumbled. First pass through a pick. Un- unbelievable. How can you be how that bad? bad they are. Well, they didn't look great for a lot of this game. Stroud kind of struggled. I mean, Iowa's defense is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong, but... He didn't look great, but his receivers are phenomenal. JSN, I don't know if he's going to play the rest of the season. Yeah, he got he came up he came again up in that game. I, I think he'll hold out to the Michigan game. Maybe they don't they don't need him. I mean, they've got so many good Marvin weapons. Harrison receivers. is pretty phenomenal, and so yeah. is Abuka. And I just don't see how Kirk Ferentz, Ferentz, whatever, however you want to say his name, can't. I'm sorry, demote. If you don't want to fire, demote your son. Here's I mean, the six thing. years they've had an offense that hasn't ranked above 90th. This is the this and is five the, times over 100. It's a big issue, but apparently at a press conference day, and he's like very fed up. People are saying he might retire because he doesn't want to make the changes, D'Antonio style. Wow, wow, a legend, an Iowa legend. They've had two coaches really in my lifetime. I mean, more than, just more than that, but two that I remember: Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz. Yeah. Um, that would be a shame to me just because he wasn't willing to say to his son, you need to go to like offensive coordinator school and figure something out. Because here's the thing is through the transfer portal and in, you know, more often than not, you can kind of catch, you know, you can catch lightning in a bottle with a freshman skill player, like a receiver or a running back or whatever. They don't need as much of you know, the seasoning so much. Like you can go roll the dice and get two, three, four recruits and guys out of the portal that can change your offense if you just change from the same old offset eye and running the same two tight end sets every time. Like, it's not that hard, Kirk. It really isn't that hard. And you can say, hey, look, we're going to completely change this up. I've charged Brian with figuring out a new offense and then give it one more year. Then if you want to step down, at least you've gone out trying. If you just don't want to address the elephant in the room, Hey, look, your son's going to lose his job anyway because you're going to leave, and I sure as shit am guaranteeing you he ain't going to get a job unless he's going to be, like, the water boy. Like, so do it the right way. Like, the coaching is a, is a profession, and you know what? If you are a father and you hire your son, it would be like if I hired Ryan, 
at Hayworth to do a job and he wasn't cutting it and we were getting complaints and arguments and whatever, I'd have to cut him loose. Yeah, it would suck, but I, I just, I, I, <laughs> I don't understand. I feel your pain, Iowa. I feel, because at least when Michigan State was kind of like in that more traditional grinded out offense and they had the great defense like you do, at least Michigan State still spread the ball around and had good skill players and wasn't so predictable all the time. Yeah, like Iowa, what do they? I mean, I, the fact that they play in the West is a saving grace. They'll they'll probably still get to six wins, but man, what a mess and what a shame! What a shame. Yeah, not good. Um, Indiana Rutgers didn't really catch much, most of this. Indiana was up fourteen nothing. That's all I yeah, know. Rutgers, they lost. Uh, Indiana's pretty terrible. Um, yeah, that's that's all I'm gonna say. I don't. I didn't. Really Rutgers see it. broke a twenty one. I think it was home game losing streak. Twenty one in a row at home. They had lost. What? Yeah. Jeez. Is that crazy? That's ridiculous. Purdue, Wisconsin. I didn't know. Okay. Probably a Big Ten home streak, not overall. I'm no. sure they beat like they beat Wagner and teams like that. But in 21-game Big Ten home losing That's streak. That's pretty they had. unbelievably terrible. Yeah. Penn State, or I'm sorry, Purdue, Wisconsin. Um, wow. What is, I can't get a read on Wisconsin because. I can't get a read on Purdue either. They, they go, Wisconsin goes and they smoke an albeit really bad Northwestern team. But then they go and they're playing a completely mortally wounded Michigan State team who granted got a couple key defensive players back but still was like sucking hind tit in every category, not playing well on offense, not playing well on defense, even worse on special teams and go and lose in, in a game Michigan State tried to give away a million times. And then they go and they basically, I mean, Purdue got gifted one of their touchdowns because they really fumbled. Them. They embarrassed Purdue. Who, Purdue's defense been has playing, been good. And who'd been playing well. Yeah, I don't know. Purdue's Jekyll and Hyde. I don't. So is Wisconsin. And so, me. and what's going to, like, I is think. Leonard the guy? Or? I think they need to win, you know, they, they've got, what, four games left at least probably. I think they, they might be. Buy. Yeah, they have a bye this week. Maryland at Iowa at Nebraska Minnesota. All of those are winnable, but or any of them three, losable. probably three and one. You could see him going, which would put them at what seven and five. Question I saw today is: If Leonard doesn't lose again, does he get the job? I think yes. If he loses one more time, does he get the job? Maybe. What if he goes four and three down the stretch? Like in his seven games, what if he goes four and three? Do you give him the job? No. I don't think that. I, I don't. I don't think you do. I don't think you do. Yeah. I don't know who they're going to give it to. Bill O'Brien. But yeah, Purdue just such an. I mean, they had been on a streak four in a row. Like they've that was probably their worst loss scoreboard wise. It was their worst loss. I mean, they should have beaten Penn State. They should have beaten Syracuse. Um, and then they won four games in a row. And then, you know, debatable Wisconsin. I get it. We're tough to go on the road and whatever. And Wisconsin was wounded. But yeah, I mean, nobody wants the West. It seems like nobody except for Illinois. Wants you know, there, the West. there's a scenario that Northwestern could win the West. There's what? a scenario. They're they're one and four in the big one and there's three a in the big ten. If they, if but they, I guess they've only lost one game against. They're one and one against their conference. Yep. Wow, that's never going to happen. But that's crazy. That would be insane. Um, Speaking of Northwestern. Yeah, Maryland Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern put them close. They were up 17-3. Granted, Talia was not playing, and right. he's a big difference maker, yeah, but still. Huge. But, man, Fitz, I mean, I think that he survives it because he's earned it, but they're bad. They're a bad yeah. football team. Yeah. There's no hope of getting better. I mean, you can't recruit very well in Northwestern. It's not very attractive. I mean, it's higher academic standards. 
They don't have a great tradition. I mean, yeah, they've won the West a couple times the last five, six years, but right. what else have they done? I mean, last year they were terrible. This year they're terrible. COVID year, they won the West, and the year before that they were 3-9. and nine, so I, I don't see how they win another game. I mean, at Iowa, Ohio State, yeah. at Minnesota, at Purdue, yeah, Illinois. I mean, 11. I don't think that he'll get fired because they're going to build a new stadium, and Ryan makes great points about like what they are as a program. They're like a Notre Dame in some ways, smaller school, you know, pro, I think Northwestern might be private, private, um, high academic standards, but they've just never had sustained football success. Blips, yes, um, since the 90s when Fitz was a player. Um, but, man, they, they have, they're falling a long way. And this, they can't complain about their facilities because they're going to get a brand-new football stadium. It will be a couple years. They're a great football building. Yeah. It's a great school. I, they got to make some. Sh- they've been changing their staff lately too, so they got to figure something out because it comes out of recruiting, right? Or finding the right guys in the transfer portal. You know, go get guys from Duke or you know Vanderbilt or whatever like-minded schools. But I mean, they're they've been losing their best players to the transfer portal, like they lost their safety to Notre yeah, Dame, and, you know, and so on and so forth. So yeah, yeah, was, not great, but they fought, I guess, against Maryland. Who's what? What are they? Six and two. Yeah, six and two, I think. Two, yeah. That's crazy. Bowl eligible, yep. Crazy. Um, then the last Big Ten game we had, Minnesota-Penn State, not even close. I mean, here's the first issue. First half was okay, but. Minnesota started the quarterback. His name is Ethan. What the kind Greek. of name is that? He's Greek. He's terrible. He went, where's his stat? He was 9 Now, I would say, if, if you look at his stats, not great. But he actually threw a pretty good deep ball. And the problem is, is Minnesota is predicated on the run. They had 165 rush yards. Right, but when you get down big and you're on the road in a whiteout, which is nearly impossible to win in anyway in that environment, um, and you got fools on the field getting tackled by cameramen. Did you see that? That was mm-hmm. pretty funny. Um, you can't continue to run the ball, and they just don't have they, – they lost their best receiver before the Michigan State game. So they don't have – yeah. Great receivers. They have a pretty good offensive line. Obviously, they ran the ball well against Penn State and showed that the Michigan game wasn't a fluke. But you have to have balance to win. Look at Iowa and Minnesota right now. If they get behind the eight ball, and who knows when Morgan's going to be back and if he's really that much better anyway, I don't know. The saving grace, again, is that they play in the West because the West is very, very terrible. bad. You know, Penn State fans were booing Clifford and chaining Alar's name, and he won Big Ten Offensive player of the Good. week. I hate it. Look, I get it. Like I, We've all Michigan? been there. I mean, we did it with Damian Terry. And it, I mean, we did it when I was at Michigan State. We did it for Mill Coleman. I mean, everybody always loves the backup, right? The backup is the savior until the backup comes in and shows why they're the backup. I mean, I understand. But, like, it's one thing to chant for the backup. It's another thing to boo your starter. Yeah. He's a sixth-year guy. Michigan did it to Cade, so. Yeah, well, yeah, and look what happened there. And, I mean, here's the thing is. Penn State is what six and one, you know they bad loss to Michigan, yeah, and they're going to get their asses wiped by Ohio State this week. But Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Michigan State—that's probably four and zero, at least three and one to close. So they're looking at ten and two with Clifford as the quarterback and a overrated head coach. So what do you have to complain about? I mean, you're not Ohio State and you're not Michigan. You think you should be, but I don't think you're that well coached to be. You'll get your time with Alar. He'll be he'll be there for the next at least two years if he's really that good. He'll he'll scoot after his you know his third year. But like a sixth year quarterback makes a difference. And with the rest of your schedule, there's no reason except for the Ohio State game that you know he can't get things done. So 
That's the Big Ten. Uh, yeah, I had a couple. I had one Big Ten thing, which I thought was funny. I don't think I said this. Um, Iowa against Ohio State, fifty-four points, most points allowed in a game since nineteen ninety-five. Since I was a senior, no, I was graduated at that point in, uh, from college, nineteen ninety-five. Think about crazy. that. And again, points-wise, they've scored seven, seven. 27-27 in wins, mostly defensive touchdowns. 14, 6, and 10. Yeah, that's... That's bad. That's so bad. College football notes. One thing I'm going to say, there were some really good games this weekend. Clemson, Pats off, I think they've got like a 38-game home win streak. They've won like 58 out of 59, if not for kind of a fluky loss to Pitt a year or two ago. No, more than that. That was 2016. Yeah, 2016. Um, you know, they would have the longest ever home winning streak, but... And they switched quarterbacks. Do they have a controversy? I don't no. know. Um, Syracuse played really well. Syracuse didn't get the ball to their best player very often. And I heard McDonough called. He's a Syracuse grad. He called the coach on, on the broadcast. Yeah, like, did. why are you not playing this dude? And then they, I saw them blow 30 seconds of clock time at the end. That would have yeah, mattered. Yeah, Mel Tucker. Right? I will say this, though. Say what you want, but... Mo- the bigger programs, the Bamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Notre Dames, maybe the Texases, the Oklahomas, they get a little bit of extra something-something home cooking from the refs. I- I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. You you go look at the, quote, late hit on like a third and 26 out of bounds on Syracuse that kept the drive alive where Close I think Clemson scored and kind of got their game going again. Clemson did the same thing to Syracuse, maybe even a worse hit, no yeah. flag. Like, and there were a couple situations like that that were like, if you're going to call it one way, clearly it's a penalty the other way, or don't call either. I would have been fine if they didn't call either of them, to be honest. But like, they were all in favor of Clemson, and it can't be that obvious, and it can't be that like. I mean, I get it. They're the ACC's only shot at the C at the CFP, but are we going to get into fixing college games now too? I mean. Again, I don't, I'm not saying that's what's going on, but it's a little fishy. If it smells like fish and it looks like fish, it probably is fish. It's like, mm, I, I don't I don't like that stuff going on. It was pretty obvious, and it's too bad for Syracuse, who's been playing really well, and they, they blew a lead in that game, but they were they were playing well, and those were big momentum changers for them. Yeah, definitely. Bama, bounce back, pretty good defensive performance. Seems like a very good offensive team, uh, 136. TCU A&M took another, oh, another net sack horrible. on the chin. They're horrible. Oh, they're well, so I'll, bad. Later. Okay. TCU, um, huge. They were down 28 7-0, to 10. Oh, man. Yeah, they were down 28 Good to 10. Them. Their quarterback wasn't recruited he's from Iowa, wasn't recruited by Iowa, wasn't recruited by Iowa State. I think he's from Ames, actually. Wasn't recruited by Nebraska. And he's better than all three of their quarterbacks. Yeah. I Crazy. Mean, and good to see. Uh, Oh boy, Kurt Warner's son Cade had a great touchdown catch in that game for Kansas State. They were down to their third string quarterback because Martinez got hurt. It was really weird. They didn't they didn't have a sideline reporter in that game, which is kind of crazy to me. But two top level teams, I think they might have. They were both seven and zero, or one was six and one, the other was seven and five and one, and seven six and zero. Um, but they kept kind of like speculating what was going on with Martinez, and he had been having a great season, and like. It was really weird, some of the stuff that Brando said. And he was just saying it out of frustration, like, hey, you, you got to give us something, otherwise we're just going to speculate up here in the booth. And kind of a weird game, but a fun game to watch, like, game-wise, but that was kind of a weird sideshow of that yeah. game, I would LSU, say. LSU, 
bounce, bounce back. They're looking mess. really good. 21 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they're looking good. Hey, the BK playing. Love him or hate him, the guy can coach. He's, he can. he's won national championships at GVSU. He did well at Cincinnati. He did well at Notre Dame. Did well at Central. He's yeah, he's did well at Central. He's going to do well at Notre. I mean, he doesn't fit culturally, but I think that's probably why they hired him because they didn't need a cultural fit. They needed a good football coach. And again, love yeah. him or hate him, he's a very good football coach. Yep. Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas is not good. Texas is too young. Texas. I think Texas has a lot of talent. But they're playing a lot of first-year guys. And I heard a good quote uh, on might have been Sports Radio or maybe it was a TikTok or podcast or something, but about you can win with like one or two good freshmen on both sides of the yep. ball. Maybe like a, a lockdown corner that comes out of nowhere or a safety. or you maybe can't rely on the freshman. You know, a receiver or a running back. But you you just can't rely on freshmen because they make mistakes right they're they're young like at 18 i even remember ryan at 18 as a college basketball player the difference between even at the end of freshman year going against some really big guys for teams that were seniors and there's a huge difference between an 18 and a 22 year old you know maturity wise body maturity wise mental maturity wise I think Texas is going to be fine going forward. Hopefully they'll be patient with Sark because they've proven it. They can win. They stuck right with Alabama uh, with their quarterback going down. He had, Ewers had a tough game the other day, but I think they're going in the right direction. It's just, it's hard. And it's like, I speak from a Michigan state fan too. I want to see some of the young guys being played when things aren't going well for us. There's a reason, right? You Like on the line, you don't just throw a freshman there because somebody's going to get killed, right? Like Peyton Thorne's going to get broken in half or, or whatever. So, you got to kind of bear with it. Texas fans, be patient because you, you've got some good things going there and you're going to be fine. Yep. Uh, Miami's embarrassing. Oh, Holy my goodness. Crap. Duke smoked them at home. And Miami was at least a touchdown, if not a double-digit favorite. Nine and a half. Yeah, I think it was nine and a half. Jeez. Bad. Just uh, goes to show you, it's not a coaching problem down there. That's really all I... And Pitt lost again. They were so... Cost me a parlay. Pitt, damn it. Suck. Um, UCLA... Kind of got throttled by Oregon. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oregon bounced back after the week one debacle. They've, they've been looking really drubbing. good. Bo Nick. Bo He played Nicks. great. Five touchdown passes. I mean, he's been looking really good. UCLA is still a nice team, but Oregon's a tough place to play. They've got a long yeah, running streak there, electric. too. I mean, um, Oregon had 283 passing, 262 rushing. Good balance. Pretty Phenomenal. Pretty dang balanced. That's spot one. Are we uh, going pick them for? Yeah, we'll go pick them spot pick two. Pick them except for Michigan State, Michigan. Yep. We'll, Not we'll that many that. Big Ten games. They only one, two. Yeah, it's kind of in the middle of that. We're we're getting to the point where Miser I think after one. this week, I think we may be passed by weeks. Yeah, after this week, there's no more bye weeks. So this oh, is it for bye weeks. Uh, game one, uh, Penn State versus Ohio State. Um, it's at Penn State. Big noon kickoff. Um, Shocked it wasn't our game. Yeah, they had the decision made a while back. OSU's a 15.5-point favorite. Um, I think Ohio State's going to throttle Penn State. If it was a whiteout, maybe 15.5 could be covered. We're going on spread? Yeah. Ohio State wins this by three touchdowns. I mean, it's not going to be like the Iowa game, but I I just, Penn State's offense is still not that great. Ohio State's defense is very opportunistic. Um, yeah, and I just don't think Penn State can stop Ohio State's offense. I really don't. No, I don't either. Rutgers, Minnesota. Um, Rutgers is a 14.5-point underdog. 
I think they're going to cover this. This game's going to be like That's 13, 10, 3 or something. Uh, I think it's going to be low Vegas scoring. Vegas knows something we don't know. I mean, Morgan must be coming back. It's no, at home. I, I don't trust Minnesota. Boy, they'll win, but they won't. 14 and a half? Yeah. Let's see. So, Rutgers this year beat BC by one. Wagner didn't throw that out. Beat Temple by two. Who's lost old. to Iowa by seventeen. Lost to Ohio State by thirty nine. Lost beat lost to Nebraska by one, and beat Indiana by seven. They play close games, but I don't know. They'll ride a little bit of momentum after that Indiana game. Fourteen and a half. Yep. I'll go Minnesota to cover. I decided. Okay. I, I don't know what our records are, how we're doing head to head, but um, we'll tell you. Um... Uh, you can back it. It's fine. No, you know, you're, I'm 56 and 38. You're 58 and 36. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'll go with Minnesota. Illinois uh, versus Nebraska. Nebraska, this is at Nebraska. Um, Illinois is a seven and a half point favorite. Um, Illinois has been playing well, coming off the bye. Um, defense is one of the best in America. Yeah. I think Illinois gets this one, but it's going to be very close. I think it's going to be field goal, maybe. Seven and a half point fair. I think Nebraska covers the seven and a half. So minus Illinois the, wins. Minus the Oklahoma game. Since they fired Frost, they two and one. Um, you know, very close road win at Rutgers. Pretty close road loss at Purdue, which maybe was a precursor to how Purdue played last week. Illinois is six and one, and really should be seven and zero. Oh. I mean, it's tougher to go on the road. I think they'll probably lose, you know, a mid-game or two more on their schedule, looking at their schedule. I don't think this is going to be it. I think Illinois gets the win. You think they're going to cover? Defense travels. Well, what was the spread? Seven and a half. Illinois is favored by seven and a half? Yeah. No, they're not going to cover that spread. Okay. It's going to be a touchdown or less. Typical Nebraska style. Iowa versus Northwestern. Oh, Sorry, forever. What's the over under? Nine? Like 30. <laughs> oh, take the under. There's no way these teams can score 30 points. There's I, just no 10 way. 10 and a half points. Iowa, that's the favorite. I think they're going to cover it. They're going to win 14 0, 17 0, two defensive touchdowns and a field goal. 10 and a half? Yes. I mean, they beat. They beat Rutgers by 17. So Yeah, with two defensive touchdowns. Yes, I think they'll do that again. Oh, man, I don't know if they, they can. Oh, we'll say they can cover just because Northwestern is that bad. There's no way it goes over as a bonus. Oh, no. <laughs> There's no way. No way. We'll skip over Michigan State. Michigan will do that in the spot five. OK State versus Kansas State. This is a big one um, in the Big 12 race. Um, I am. This is at um, Kansas State. It's very close. It's like one and a half is the spread, so we're going straight. I'm going with the Pokes coming off a big win last week. I think their defense is pretty dang good. Yeah, it was a nice comeback win. I, I mean, I just especially with Kansas State, and you don't know is Martinez going to play. Their backup quarterback was looking decent, but he his back was bothering him, and that so the third string guy had to go in, and they both kind of turned the ball over. If Martinez is healthy and can go, it's a different story. But I, yeah, I think uh, the Pokes win that game. Yeah. I agree. It's in a couple NFL games. Captain agrees. Uh, we're going Miami, uh, the Dolphins versus the Detroit Lions. We'll get to the Lions in spot four, but they suck, so I'm going with the Dolphins. Where is it? It's at in Detroit. What's the spread? Three, Miami. Miami, two of will shred Detroit. Yeah, it's just a straight up. Since the spread's not Miami. 
Then Rams 49ers. That's America's game of the week. Um, yeah, 49ers have the Rams number. Yeah, they do. It's in L.A., right? It's in L.A. I'm in going the Rams, Rams, and the 49ers play well in L.A. Yeah, I'm going Rams, though. I'm going with the upset. I'm going to go with 49ers. All right. Then we'll get to Michigan State, Michigan. Um, that's spot two. You got a little uh, ad? Yep, we'll read an ad. Quick word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders Realty will help you find the home that best fits your needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. All right, let's switch it. Spot three, Ryan. We're going into hoops again, right? Yep, yep. Um, yeah, spot three, um, three more. Um, then Let's see, I don't know. One. That'll be nine, well, so we have five do, left. Might have to do four today. We can do five next week. All right. Well, we got sure, a, we got like a big long. hate week spot. So. Um, we'll, we're going to go with the Iowa Hawkeyes first here. Um, last year, uh, pretty good good season. Um, you know, won the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, top five seed got bounced by Richmond in the first round upset. The Fran Kino um, kind of lived up to his billing of the the early bounce. Um, lose All American. Um, lottery pick, Keegan Murray, do it all, 20-plus points, almost 10 rebounds. Um, but, you know, should have a decent roster coming back, in my opinion. Um, when you look at it, returning Connor McCaffrey, um, who's been there for like 30 years, I swear. Um, good, just glue guy, role player. Um, Chris Murray, um, can he break out like his brother did? That's the question. That's what everyone's saying. Oh, he's going to be just like his brother. I don't. Does think he wear eye makeup like his brother? He, he looks. I mean, they're, they're literally. I, I mean, look at him. He looks just like him. It's not even. I couldn't tell you the difference. But he's. I mean, he's a talented guy. He's a lefty. He had some moments last year where you're like, oh, he's pretty good. Kind of the way that Keegan did his freshman year. So that's why, of course, people are like, oh, he's going to be just like his brother. I'm not on that train. I think he'll be good. I think he'll probably be their leading scorer, but I don't think he's going to be 20-plus points a game. Lottery pick good. I think he'll probably be more like 14, 15 points a game. Um, and pretty good, pretty strong kid, good shooter, rebounder. Um, Got to get better on the defensive end. Um, not very efficient on that side, but I digress. Uh, Peyton Sanford, this is a guy who I think can break out, he's 6'7", wing, um, typical Iowa guy, just looks like he's a total mouth breather, um, shooter, it just fits their mold perfectly, I think he could be pretty good, he's kind of skinny yet, got to be a better defender, their whole team is better defense, they kind of suck, honestly, they always have, um, they used to play, they, they, they started playing that trap again last year, they didn't do that for a while, they always did that, like 1-3-1, or kind of three-quarter court. Yeah, one-two-two, three-quarter court trap, and then they started doing it again last year. I would expect to see that a lot. With Patrick McCaffrey at the head of that, he's a guy, I think he's very good. He's long. He can shoot it, pretty athletic, um, pretty decent defender. He's real skinny also. He's only 210 pounds at six foot nine, um, But I think he could end up being an all-Big Ten level player if he stays healthy. Um, and then Tony Perkins, I think this guy... Um, is also ready to break out. I mean, he was pretty good down the stretch last year for him. Bigger guards, 6'4", 205. Pretty, it's a decent-sized kid. He's probably going to handle the rock a lot. Um, when he, I think when they put him in the lineup last year, they like only lost two games in the last however many that they played. So they were doing really well. Um, he's got to be a better shooter, not great 
very very good facilitator, but you got to get better offensively. Then you have Aaron Eulis, brother of Tyler Eulis, not quite as good. He's 6'3", he's now like 5'6", like his brother. Um, played a little bit last year. Um, expect him to handle the ball a lot as well. Um, then you got Philip Ribraca. He started a lot for them last year. He's kind of their five-man. He's, he's all right. He's decent, 6'9". Came from North Dakota. Um, can shoot it a little bit. Not a great rim protector. He's okay. And then Josh, I don't even know how to say his last name. I'm going to butcher the heck out of it. Ugundele. He's huge. He's 6'10", 275. Played a little yeah. bit last year. He's like, a shit, shit, he should be playing left tackle for Iowa. Um, not center, but... They need a quarterback, not a, yeah, not a left tackle. No, well, their line sucks. Uh, Bartorvik says 36, so pretty good. At Ken Palm, I think, has him in a top 25 team, um, finishing second in the Big Ten, which I don't, I'm not that bullish on him. Ninth best offense, 80th best defense, uh, gives him 26th overall strength of schedule, seed about a seven. Um, That's not second place in the Big Ten. Yeah, I don't, I mean, this is on Bartorvik, but I'm saying Ken Palm said they would be second. Uh, 1911 overall, 12 and 8 in the Big Ten, gives them about a 68% chance to make the tournament, returns 54.2% of their minutes. We expect a starting lineup of the McCaffrey brothers, Perkins, Murray, Rebraca, then have that, you know, Sanford, Ulis, um, guys come off the bench. Their recruiting class is coming in. 10th best in the Big Ten per 247 sports, so nothing crazy. They have a point guard, DeSante Brown, 6'3, probably won't play a ton, and then. Josh Dix, D-I-X, uh, six-four shooting guard, not three-star, probably not going to play a ton. I would expect that, you know, that eight-eight-man rotation there um, with you know, the McCaffrey, Perkins, Murray, Rubraka, Sanford, Ulis, Ungudule, or whatever heck you say his name, as their main guys um, this season. I think you know they they could be good. I mean, offensively, they're kind of a matchup. Issue, they're pretty big, strong, um, which I, I think could make them good in the Big Ten, but their defense isn't there. So, I, you know, I, I think they'll be, you know, anywhere from fourth at the highest to probably eighth in the Big Ten. kind of just depends on how things, you know, fall. Um, definitely will make the tournament, I think, you know, right around where Iowa usually is, you know, seven seed, eight seed, something, something along those lines. I mean, look at their schedule here. Um Real tough first game. Bethune-Cookman, wow, tough. They go to Seton Hall, um, who I, I, heard, I saw this on Twitter earlier. Um, Sheen Holloway said they have six healthy players right now for Seton Hall. Jeez. That's And he's like, I don't know what to do, and I wouldn't either. Um, then they play Clemson. They're playing the Emerald Coast Classic, wherever that is. Oh, it's in Niceville, Florida. Never heard of it. Play Clemson, who's okay. And then they could play Cal or TCU. TCU's very good. Played Georgia Tech in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, who's they're pretty terrible. Picked defense last in the ACC. Played Duke in the Jimmy V Classic. Ouch. And then two days later, they fly back home, and they play uh, the Cyclones, who had a good 2021-2022 uh, campaign. Um, Big Ten schedule, I mean, obviously, it's tough. Um, playing Michigan State a couple times. Um, playing Indiana a couple times. Wisconsin a couple times. So, should be interesting for the Hawks. Um, I'd give them, you know, I'd, I'd say, like I said, probably seven or eight seed in the tournament. Schedule, I'll, I'd give them an A minus, playing some hard teams in there. Could be a better ACC Big Ten challenge, but they don't really have anything to do with that. Um, but that's the Hawkeyes. Um, we'll see what happens with the Fran Kano, our big, our buddy. 
then two teams that suck that I have chosen to do today, just just randomly picked them. They're the three on top. Um, the Wildcats of Northwestern, pretty bad last year. Um, they beat Michigan State because, you know, they always seem to occasionally. I don't know why. They win, they win some tough ones at home, that's for sure, every year. Mm, that's just how they work. Um, they do return uh, Boo Booey, who's been there for 30 years. He's just chucks. He's not great, but whatever. Um, then they return... Uh, Ty Berry, who, if you remember correctly, last year he was pretty decent. He's a bigger guard, um, had some moments, um, decent player. And then Julian Roper, um, he's from Detroit. Uh, he played last year as a true freshman, decent player. And Chase Audige, who I think is, I, I'm not a fan of him. I think he's a bad defender. I think he's a really, really bad offensive player. He's a black hole um, bogs him down, but he's back. And then Robbie Barron, who's also been there for 30 years, kind of going to be their big guy. Not great. Bartorbeck says 91st overall, 154th offense, 53rd defense. They returned 59.6% of their minutes. That just shows they weren't very deep last year. Um, you know, talent, not great. Projected record 15 and 15, 7, 13, the Big Ten. Gives them a 1.7% chance to make the tournament. I would agree with that. I don't think they have a chance. Uh, they lost Pete Nance, who would have been, I think, a fifth-year senior this year. Nice player, well, too. Very nice player. Had a good 2021-22 campaign. He's at North Carolina now. Um, they lost – who else did they lose? Um, a few other ones, honestly. Let's see. I've got to look at their find their roster from last year. Oh, Ryan Young, the big man baby. He's at Duke now. I don't know why he transferred there. Ryan Greer, who played a lot. Um, Casey Simmons, who was a, a freshman last year. Um, sometimes you get, I mean, those are good players for them, but sometimes you get a little addition by subtraction, too. Like, you get some unsung guys that step up, so. That's Northwestern. Yeah. I don't I don't know what to expect. Um, not much. I mean, Bowie, Barry, Audige, Barron, then Matthew Nicholson, who played sparingly last year as a big guy, um, will probably be their main five. And then their bench is... Uh, it's not great. Um, 12th best recruiting class in the Big Ten. They brought in one guy, um, Luke Heyer. Um, he's a, a power 46-10, so maybe he'll play a little bit. Um, he's from Montreal, Quebec. 6'10", um, 255. That's a big fella. That's a good size. For a freshman. Then they have this guy, um, Titus Verhoeven. Um, he's from California. He went to UTEP before Northwestern, 6'9", 235. I uh, would expect him to probably play a decent amount because they don't have a ton of front court depth. Um, yeah, just I'm not I'm not super high on these guys. Um, I'm thinking tenth to fourteenth in the Big Ten, probably more toward the bottom, two or three um, below five hundred. No tournament. Their schedule is is a it's easy. I mean, if you were a normal team, but Northwestern, I mean, it, probably tough to them. I mean, they play. Georgetown, the Gavit. Georgetown didn't win a Big East game last year. Um, they played Liberty, um, who pretty good, pretty good team. They made the tournament a decent amount lately. And then they could play Auburn or Bradley um, in the Cancun Challenge. And they play Pitt in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Not a great team. DePaul, um, stuff like that. Um, and then Big Ten schedule, um, looking at it. 
Michigan State early on on the road. That's their only one right away. Um, and then they you know, just get into the thick of it. It's not anything special. Um, I mean, Michigan a couple times, but not expecting a big season out of the Wildcats, like I said. But maybe they'll surprise me. I think Chris Collins might be on the hot seat. Um, so if he has a winning record, he might stay. If he has a losing record, probably bye-bye. Um, which sucks because they made the tournament not too long ago, if you remember, 2016. Um, yeah, third and final one for today. Uh, we got the Nebraska Cornhuskers, uh, another team that just has been embarrassing um, the last few years. They they hot, got rid of Tim Miles because they wanted to go over the top. Um, they got Fred Hoiberg, and he's been a disaster. He's finished at the bottom of the Big Ten almost every, every year the last three years. Um, nothing special. They've had some players, um, but haven't really panned up. McGowan's brothers both gone. Ouch. Um, but you know, whatever. It's Nebraska. They're a football school. Oh wait, not really. Um, but looking at it, uh, last year they were pretty abysmal. Um, and this year they they return a few guys, but not a ton. Wilhelm Bradenbach. This guy, I think he only played in the first month of the season. Maybe he's a big fella. Um, but he's, uh, he was their most efficient guy when he played last year. He's, he'll be back. I would expect him to, you know, some, do some decent things. And they got Derek Walker, who was a, a decent big guy for him. He's Tennessee transfer. Um, you know, he, he played pretty big minutes for them last year. Um, he's 6'9", 245. Expect him to play a ton. Um, and then my boy Kisei Tamanoga, the kamikaze, um, former, uh, Juco transfer, he had some moments last year, but just kind of all over the place. Um, decent shooter, but uh, nothing special. And then you got uh, my main guy, C.J. Wilcher. Uh, he was decent for him last year, not bad. Um, former Xavier player, 6'5 guard, good size. Uh, B.V. Bartorvik says 89th overall, 81st offense, 115th defense, not good. 13th best strength schedule. Um, gives them about a 1.5% chance to make the tournament. Says they'll go about 13 and 16 overall, 713 in the Big Ten, returning 38.2% of their minutes. Um, that starting lineup, I don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, Walker, probably Wilcher, probably Grizel, who I'll get to in a minute. Um, Bradenbach and uh, Tamanaga, I would think, would probably be their starters. Um, but who knows? Um, seventh best. Recruiting class in the Big Ten, that's including transfers. Um, so, yeah, not bad. Ramel Lloyd comes in. Um, he's a small forward, 6'6", six, six, four-star. Pretty good. Jamarcus Lawrence, 6'3", six, th- six, shooting guard, three-star. Then Blaze Keita, um, center. 6'11", um, Juco prospect. I think he's one of the better Juco prospects out there. Um, real skinny, though, so it just seems like a Nebraska guy. And then you got... Uh, Denim Dawson, 6'5", three-star, small forward. Um, then you got Emmanuel Bondamel. He's a SMU transfer. He did decent there. Um, expect him to probably play a decent amount. Juwan Gary, Alabama transfer. He played a decent amount for the Crimson Tide. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him start eventually. And then their, their biggest um, recruit slash transfer, Sam Grizel, uh, North Dakota State. He's from Nebraska. All-conference performer um, in the Summit League. Um, pretty decent player. He'll probably play a lot. Um, would expect him to probably be their leading scorer and just absolutely chuck. Um, looking at the schedule, um, 
it's it's okay. They go to St. John's in the in the Gavit games. That's not easy. St. John's should be decent. Uh, playing the ESPN invite. Oklahoma's in there. Memphis in there. Seton Hall and the rest of them play BC in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, who's okay? They go to Creighton um, early December. That's not going to be fun for them. Creighton's a going to be a bear this season. Um, Kansas State um, probably picked to finish last in the Big Twelve. Um, but yeah, not not bad. Um, pretty decent there actually. Non conference and Big Ten obviously. Um, you know how that rolls. Um, give that strength to schedule about a B in my opinion. I think they'll finish anywhere from 10th to 14th in Big Ten as well. I think that if they get a lot of other transfers, they'll be higher. If not, no, um, they won't be good. And I think Hoiberg might be on his way out the door because he has not produced anything and he's not going to make the tournament this year. If he can't make it this year, when's he going to ever make it? I Probably never. Um, but that's the Huskers. We'll finish up next week. We'll get more in depth because next week will be a week out from the real deal, um, which I am beside myself about. I'm so excited. Um, yeah, that's week. I'm sorry. Spot three. Um, spot four, scramble. What do you got? All right, just a couple of random thoughts like we usually do. Um, both shout out to Rory for retaking world number one. It was pretty emotional about that when in the CJ Cup. Uh, down in yep. uh, South Carolina, great little course near Hilton Head. Um, getting to the NFL, the Lions, of course, screwed themselves. Um, they didn't challenge a bang-bang call. Probably was down, but by not taking the time and gathering themselves, they fumble the next play. They go from going to either tie it or take the lead to they lost another game 24-6 to when their defense finally kind of showed up in a game. Um, I will say they don't get any love from the Stripes. They're very similar to like what Syracuse dealt with, but still, they haven't exactly deserved it either. NFL-wise, too, Green Bay, man, that's that's a disaster. How bad are the if you transitive properties? How bad are the Lions if the Bears went and put thirty-three on the road at New England when the Lions didn't score any against New England? Um, interesting. Ryan touched on canine, just having a great kind of a quiet start, but a great start, you know, too bad for Brees Hall because he's a nice back and was a great college back as well and was doing great things for the Jets who are surprised the New York teams are both good. Um, just kind of a topsy-turvy NFL. It's been kind yeah, of fun NFL's to weird. Kind of fun to watch. The NFC East is way up. NFC West, the Seahawks are leading it at 4-3. and three. Uh, NFC North is kind of a mess. I mean, the Vikings are sitting in the driver's seat. They've got a good solid two-game lead on the pack and are 3-0 already in conference. So, or in division, so uh, interesting. The the South is a mess. Tom Brady and the Bucks score three points in their game. I mean, yeah. talk about a mess Go there. Go your son, Tom. Um, a little Big Ten news sticking to divisions next year. Still going to go East West ahead of adding the California schools. It, you know, when you think about it, it really just it makes sense not to change it up until those schools are in because there's going to be some scheduling things and who what are the rivalries that are protected and some teams don't care and some teams care more than other teams care. Some teams like you know. Um, Michigan and a Michigan State have two, you know, built or at least Michigan State has one built-in rivalry against Michigan. Michigan's got two: Ohio State and Michigan State. Uh, Iowa or somebody out there wants three. You know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska. Like I, you know, it's going to take some work. Um, just get KP Kevin Paga on it. He'll he'll be able to settle it for you. So that'll be good. Yeah. Um, saw this today. Brittany Griner sentence upheld. Good. Stay in Russia. You anti-American. Well, people are crying about POS. it. 
you know what? You break the law in somebody else's country, you get what you deserve. You don't get bailed out when you kneel and you spread hate and spew hate against your own country. So you can sit over there and think about it for another couple of years, nine years max. You, you do the crime, you do the time, baby. Um, Big news yesterday, we kind of knew that this was coming earlier in the year, but Jim Nance handing in handing the baton to Ian Eagle. Love that. For me, Nance has been, certainly for Ryan his whole life, but Nance has been calling the Final Four since 1991. Um, he's obviously very prominent in golf. He's very prominent in football. He, um, you know, he's got two young kids, even though he's in his 60s, and he wants to be a little bit more time at home. Um, so I don't blame him. I think Eagles got a great voice. He's got yeah, he's a great, really good. he's really good at the way he calls games and his cadence. I think he'll be a good pick. I'd like to personally see them. I love Raf, but I'd like to see them pair him up with Clark Kellogg. I thought Clark, Clark Kellogg, Kellogg was, was always great. Was always he's really, really good. Anymore. He's been a studio guy. Here's some, here's some so, news. Saw this today. Um, new, uh, your newest CBS, uh, Color commentator slash studio analyst Jay Wright uh, as of today. I think he'll be a good one. Yeah, he'd be phenomenal. Yeah, so you know, be interesting. A little bit of new blood sometimes changing the guard. I mean, it's I think before I got to look, but I think before it was guys like Dick Enberg, Brett Musburger, and whatever. There was no like steady voice like it's been Nance for that long. For this will be his thirty second, I think, or thirty third Final Four. Yep. Um, and it's in Houston and. His alma mater, Houston's good. So wouldn't that be crazy if Houston's in the Final Four in Houston? Uh, yeah, that'd Houston be cool alum calling it. You know, we'll we'll see. Um, but you know, you had just kind of a mix of guys in the '80s, really, until he took the mic. And, and Eagles got some big shoes to fill, but I think he's going to do a good job there. And my other um, scramble for the week: October 27th for you football fans starts 27 straight days with football games, NFL or NCAA. Not bad. Little holiday pre holiday feast coming up for the month mm-hmm. of November. We'll take it. Uh, and then college basketball starts in there too. I'm mad about it. Um, lots of sports. Um, you got anything for scramble this week? Yeah, we Hot got. Seat. Yeah, butt burners. Uh, we already tar- talked about him. Kirk Ferentz. You got to make decisions or you got to get out, man. Joel Klatt. I'm tired of this dude. He, I, he was tweeting at. Uh, Danny Cannell, because he said someone, because Joel said, oh, that Clemson wouldn't win against blah, blah, blah. Would they win the Big Ten? No, blah, blah, blah. Then he's like, well, okay, but would Michigan, if Michigan played their schedule, would they be undefeated? Would Ohio, like, and then he's like, well, you don't, obviously, and he's, you know, going at him. Shoot, shut up. First of all, you're no Big Ten guru. You you played in, in the Colorado. Pac-12. That's the... Yeah, and the or big, whatever the big, big twelve, eight, big eight, big twelve. Yeah, like Shut I, up, dude, the love fest already, and I he get it. Fox, is, Fox owns the, you know Big Ten majority stake and whatever, but like, come on, there's other teams. Ohio State's better than Michigan. At me all you want. I realize you beat them last year. You're not going to beat them again. That's down the road, but whatever. This is like four weeks in a row is a big noon game. Change it up so that the rest of us don't have to be nauseous with your you know your drooling all over them, like. I get it, they're good, but, like, okay. The only reason they weren't Big Noon last week is because they were on a bye. They, were, they should have been. Probably could have broadcast it from there. And my last one, Jimbo, Jimbo, Jimbo. But the thing they're going to have to give them $85 million. They've got a lot of money down there, but that is, a, that is outrageous. And I'll tell you what, if one of these days, and he may be the, the, you know, what tips the tide or turns the tide, 
they're going to stop giving guaranteed contracts. I don't care if you've got billionaires with deep pockets, you're going to stop paying guys who can't win. And he's been there long enough. Like I, like a Mel Tucker, okay, knee-jerk, give him that much year three after one really good year and kind of a COVID wash year. Okay. But the commonality was LSU made a press for both Michigan State's coach and Texas A&M's coach and, and James, Franklin. James Franklin. And they, they all got huge deals. That's another them. thing. You see the Jim Harbaugh, James Franklin. Yeah. About the funny. sandwiches. I mean, they're both imbecile. I'm, I'm kind of with Harbaugh. I, I hate James Franklin. Yeah, like when you're complaining about the tunnel control, like, come on. Yeah, that stadium's been that way forever. You go in yeah, the same tunnel. Like, okay, get your event staff to rope it off like they do at Michigan State. They go out of the same tunnel at Michigan State, too. They just separate them with a rope, right? Like, whatever. But a week later, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Stock up. Shane Beamer, um, he's doing great. He's got... South Carolina roll. I think they won four in a row. They're ranked um, after kind of a disastrous start to the season. Good for them. Um, Bryce Harper finally to the World Series, hit the dinger. Um, that was pretty special and electric. Loved that. And then you said it, you touched on it, Rory, number one in the world again. This guy, he says that he loves golf more than he ever has. Um, feels like he's getting better and better. I agree. Um, he's kind of the, he's the new Phil, you know, the voice of the PGA Tour speaks, um, and he's kind of the leader, which I love to see, um, cause he's a good, I used to not like him. I'll admit that. I like him now. I like him a lot. I think some of these guys grow up in there. He, they did, he grew up, like he's him. more mature and he's, mm-hmm. he's just fun. He's a fun to watch. He's a great player. I was thinking it was 23rd victory. Um, special. All right. And what you've all been waiting for. And I got to start it with this from Chris. I don't always talk to Michigan grads, but when I do, I ask for large fries. It's good. Bring it on. It is. It's good. Hate week. I will say, it's been pretty quiet. Like nobody's really been chirping me. Um, I certainly haven't said anything because Michigan State is no, not, not doing very well this never. year. Although I did reply to somebody on my. TikTok the other day, kind of with my standard, when you win, say nothing, when you lose, say less. And, oh, by the way, we've held Paul Bunyan for two-plus years. So, you know what? Until you take that away, Michigan fans can kiss a little bit of my ass because you can say all you want about how we're little brother and we don't matter and we this and blah, 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 blah. You can say how big this game is. I don't believe you. I don't think... I don't think you look at any game on your schedule as matters the rest of the way except the Ohio State game. Um, I think the like Harbaugh is very coach speak. I'll read something Chris sent me a little bit ago, which is very typical for this. He's smart. He's not giving bulletin board material, but it's not usually the coaches, right? Like, I mean, Ryan played the open from D'Antonio. D'Antonio said that in response to Mike Hart. It's usually the players that spout their mouth. I admittedly am not reading the local rags around Michigan anymore. Um, it's all political all the time. Um, and not in a way that's favorable to my opinion. So, I stay away from it. The Michigan State beat writers, frankly, pretty much suck. We don't even have one on the athletic anymore, so I just kind of picked my stuff up in pockets from 247 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think Tucker's done a pretty good job of keeping his guys quiet. Um, you're hearing more chirping coming out of Michigan, certainly from the Braylon Edwards and the Desmond Howards. And Oh, Desmond, how that 1990 game work for you? And okay, Braylon Edwards, you had a hell of a, a fourth quarter and triple overtime when you know we were playing with basically one arm behind our back and our backup quarterback after a cheap shot on Drew Stanton, but that's that was a long time ago, so we're gonna we're gonna let that go. But you did you can speak to it because you had a big game. I get you, Mike Hart. You went four and zero and you said what you said, but um, 
I got a little bit of by the numbers. Um, playing for Paul this week, of course. Since Michigan State joined the Big Ten, a.k.a. the series truly began, it is 38-29-2 in favor of Michigan. Now, that's a close series. That's probably closer than most Michigan series with their opponents. Now, of course, they'll be you know, the first ones to tell you, oh, yeah, 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 it's 71-38-5. No, it's not. Because the 39 or 33, 9 and 3 before Michigan State came into the Big Ten, the same Big Ten that Michigan fought tooth and nail to keep Michigan State out of, 40, only five, only five of those 45 games played before Michigan State was in the Big Ten were played in East Lansing. That's five. So you play 39 of those games at home and you expect me to give you credit for that? No. No. So we're going to talk about the here and now, and that is since Michigan State joined the Big Ten. You can talk about your point a minute in 1902. I don't give two shits about that. That's old history before your grandpa's grandpa was alive, and you can kiss my ass. And if you go to that, I will squash you every single time. So let's look at the reality of it now. Again, since Michigan State joined the Big Ten, 38-29-2 in favor of Michigan. It's a very close series. In my lifetime, it's 31-18 Michigan. In Ryan's lifetime, it's 12 to 11 in favor of Michigan State. Since Coach D'Antonio took over at Michigan State, it's 10 and 5. So 10 of the last 15 years, Michigan State has won. Jimmy himself, your God, your your mere mortal men among mere mortals, only three and four against Michigan State. So it's not just Ohio State that and he doesn't been really terrible beat. Michigan State. It, yeah, not good Michigan State like 2016 Michigan State, 2019 Michigan State. Um, here's the thing. Michigan State is on a two-game win streak in the series. We know that. Tuck is the first MSU coach to start 2-0 against Michigan. We know that. Mm-hmm. A little fun fact, Michigan State is 3-3 three and three coming off buys when they faced Michigan. in the last. That's all been in the last 10, some 12, 13 years or so since buys have really been around. This is the second ever night game between these two. Both played in Ann Arbor. Michigan State won the last yeah, one in 2017. Yeah, 14-10. Yeah, of course, there's always an excuse, right? Um those are just some of the in-the-numbers things. So, fact is fact, reality is reality. Let's not talk about pre-World War II. Let's not talk about pre-World War One. Yes, the teams first played in 1898. I'm fully aware. But again, when you bully or try to bully a team out of a conference because you can't handle the heat and you force them to play 39 or 45 games at home, I'm sorry, that doesn't count. That's just you being a bunch of AA arrogant asses. Um, all right, so that's my start, Ryan. Where, where do you want to throw down with the, to begin with? Um, I don't. I mean, I didn't do anything. I just what this means to me. Um, I, mean, I was born into this. Um, I, I despise the University of Michigan and everything they stand for. Um, it's just funny. Like I, people, my people will be like, "Why do you hate Michigan so much?" I'm like, it "Just it's just the way that they act." I mean, yeah, I have friends that are Michigan fans. I love them, but she's man. I have family that are Michigan. Like Tom it's just, and, there's just something know. about them that you just makes you. Tom and David, and you know we have good. Builds the good, the, the family members that went to Michigan. And it matters. It matters good more. Good to, nature. It matters more to us that they say it's our. It is our Super Bowl because we hate you. Yeah. We hate you. It's yeah. our Super Bowl. We want to kick your ass. And I told this story last year on our podcast special, and if if you want to listen to it, obviously there was a lot of hype last year because it was arguably the biggest game in the yeah. series history. Um, and we did a special podcast with guest speakers, you know, guest 
guest appearances like Coach D and such. So my story is my dad went to Michigan State, graduated in 1972. I remember my first sporting event I remember watching was watching Michigan State beat Indiana State in the living room in Noblesville, Indiana when I was, you know, not quite six years old. Um, and that was my first indoctrination in Michigan State. You got to remember back then, the games weren't, not every game was on some, you can watch every game on something plus or on some network. You can always see your team play, right? You couldn't back then. There were national games. There were like two national games a week. One of them was Notre Dame. That's why they have so many Subway alumni and fans. And the other was usually like the Michigans and the Ohio States, you know, and maybe some SEC schools. And, and Michigan was good under Bo Schembechler. Um, my dad never, you know, we didn't live near Michigan State necessarily. You know, he wasn't that tied back in in the early 80s. Michigan State wasn't very good in football. Um you know, muddy waters. It was bad until Perlis came in and kind of flipped things around a little bit. But like my indoctrination into the teams was Uncle Tom, who's more like a big brother to me. Happy belated birthday, UT. Um, and don't even call him uncle because he's so close in age to me. And my grandpa was the assistant superintendent of the Michigan Daily. He was a Wisconsin Badger, but he had Michigan season football tickets. Tom still has those season football tickets today. Section 19, I believe. Um, not too far from Larry Lage's parents, who I went to Michigan State with, but I digress. Um, and so my indoctrination was Tom, who was like a big brother to me. And, you know, hadn't we lived when I was in middle school um, near Ann Arbor. We lived in Plymouth, Michigan at that point in time. So it was 15 miles down the road. And I would spend time in the summer with Tom, sometimes a week or two. And, you know, we're playing Stratomatic and we're doing baseball stuff and whatever. And you could just go and walk into the big house. Then he lived lived on Stadium Boulevard, six blocks from the stadium. You could just walk in. We kicked foot, you know, field goals with the Nerf football. And, you know, Michigan was good. It was in the heyday of the bow days. And Anthony Carter was my favorite player. And, you know, I remember when, when Harbaugh was the quarterback and whatever. And I was, I was a Michigan fan. And Chris, our longtime for sure, every episode listener can attest, he, I was one of those Michigan fan assholes that he didn't necessarily like. Um, and then it turned. Junior year. When you start to decide, all right, like, where am I going to apply? Which, by the way, I applied to both, got into both, chose Michigan State. So let's just clear that air. Um, I went to a game with my dad. It was a basketball game. My dad and a family friend, Chuck Haywood. Um, a Michigan State-Michigan basketball game. I was a Michigan fan. My dad said, you can go, but you need to keep your mouth shut. I'm just going to bring you. We're going to have fun. You love basketball. It's going to be a good time. I didn't dress in Michigan gear or whatever. And I distinctly remember it was Michigan State won the Big Ten that year in basketball. It was the 1990 season, first year the Breslin was open. After the game, close game, good game. Michigan was good. They were coming off of the national championship in 89. Um, Sean Higgins, number 24, grabbed his nuts and like flaunted in front of the crowd because he was pissed that we lost and we were booing him or, or they lost and, and they were booing him or whatever. Literally, like that, I flipped. And that moment... Like I saw all the things that I have grown to despise about Michigan, like flashed before my eyes and I had an awakening and I have not looked back since then. So my hatred was a, maybe a slower burn, but it was just like a snap to reality where it happened. And ever since then, the arrogance, the cockiness, the you don't matter, the little brother, the you moo you, you couldn't get into Michigan, screw you. Because most of the people that say that, not the Uncle Toms, not the Davids, you know, not the other cousins that went to Michigan, not family friends who actually went to Michigan, that lighthearted ribbing, we can take. 
right? It goes back and forth. It goes both ways. Like I'm the first one to congratulate Tom when they beat us and he does it back to me when they, we beat them and it's fine. It's the Walmart Wolverines, which unfortunately are the majority of that 150,000 stadium now you claim because you just, you know, you got one ass cheek seats. That, that's why Michigan State fans hate Michigan so much. It's not really the people that went to Michigan. Yeah, there's a little bit of the wine and cheese and arrogance, and I, and I get it, whatever. But for the most part, those aren't the snots. Those aren't the a-holes. It's everybody else, and it's intolerable because they they just so look down on you. And yeah, you know, you should turn the other cheek, and sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. But still, it's like, it just infuriates me, and it fuels this passion and this fire and this want to where I'm in football. Yeah, if it means 1-11, but the one win was against Michigan, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I legit will take it. Basketball may be a little different because there's a lot more games, but I hate them every bit as much in basketball. Um, I probably have more hands-on with the basketball even than the football but like I literally can't stand what the majority not all but the majority of Michigan fans stand for the way they talk the way they trash the way they didn't even probably go to JUCO and they tell me about my education at Michigan State what are you doing for a living buddy driving a garbage truck no offense P um because you're college educated and it's your dad's company but um like that's where like my burning dislike for Michigan comes is that one snap moment where like I had this moment of clarity and I saw I'm like this is why Michigan State fans hate Michigan. This is why. It's not the winning. Yeah, it sucks when you lose all the time or whatever, but it's it's not that. It's not that. It's that plus. It's the excuses. It's the oh Spartan Bob. It's the oh Desmond was tripped. It's the Oh, well, our punter couldn't handle the snap. Like, there's always an excuse. There's always something. You never get your ass beat by us, which, by the way, you did, especially in the D'Antonio days. You did. Um, you can't admit last year that, okay, you got to the CFP, great for you. Head-to-head, who won that game? Head-to-head, who was better, K-9 or Aiden Hutchinson, who's been so far a big bust as a number two pick? K-9 did. Don't you can at me all you want. Go rewatch the highlights. Look how often he runs to and over Hutchinson's side. That's the stuff that infuriates Michigan State fans. That's what infuriates me, um, and that's what fuels my passion for the game. And yeah, there's a head and a heart approach in a week like this because there's reality. Michigan State's not as good as we wanted them to be. Um, we've been struggling now. The bye week probably came at a good time. We're hopefully getting a little bit healthy. And Ryan, I'll, Ryan, I'll let you break down the game a little bit in a minute. But a couple more things I just wanted to throw in there. Getting ahead of for this for Ryan to break down the game. Notable MSU series upsets in the last let's say thirty some years. Nineteen ninety, I was there. The day after I got accepted to Michigan State and I decided to go to Michigan State, the so-called number one versus no one. Michigan had a, it was a great back and forth game. Michigan had a furious comeback. Um, and Desmond Howard dropped the two-point conversion because back then it was ties. There was no overtime. Michigan was number one. Knew they couldn't keep number one if they tied. Went for it. Give him credit for not pussing out and taking the tie. Desmond, you can say he's tripped all you want. He still dropped the ball that was right in his chest. That's a huge notable upset in the series. Michigan State was, I think, a four-touchdown dog in that game. 1993, my junior year. Michigan was number seven. They came to East Lansing and lost 17-7 to to a, a 6-5 and five Michigan State team. 1995, number seven Michigan loses 
28 to 25, my the year after I graduated, to Tony Banks and Nick Saban's first year. 2001, we all know about that game. Number six, Michigan loses 26-24 in the last play of the game. Of course, there's a lot of excuses. 2011, number 11, Michigan loses 28-14. to Michigan State was number 23, and that started a reign of dominance. I mean, there was a little bit, there was one blip in there a couple years before that, or that was in the middle of a reign of dominance. 2017, number 7, Michigan loses 14-10. to um, Even in 2015, Michigan was lower ranked, but a touchdown favorite, and we all know how that game came about. So all I'm saying is in a week like this, when it matters more to Michigan State, you can tell me all you want, Michigan players, that we were better last year and we want revenge, and that was a salty bus ride home. You can tell me that all you want, that is a thousand percent lip service coming from scum. It just it just is because we know where we stand. You're our number one rival. We're, according to a lot of your fans, number three behind Ohio State and a team you don't play every year, Notre Dame. And that's part of what fuels us and part of why we want to beat you. And it means a little bit more to our guys. It's like Kirk Cousins said, Yeah, I wanted to go in there and beat Michigan State, which he was or Michigan, which he was four and against Michigan in his time, because they didn't recruit him. And it's, it's balancing out a little bit more. Like Michigan State's recruiting stuff is tipping maybe even in the way rankings-wise towards Michigan State now. But generally speaking, it's always been thought that the best players went to Michigan and Michigan State got the rest, right? So it means a little bit more to Michigan State. We have a good amount of players from Ohio. We know Ohio players really want to go to Ohio State or they go to Michigan State because they hate Michigan. We have that in common. Michigan fans want us to hate Ohio State as much as they do. Nope, we don't because Ohio State and us have a thing in common. We hate you, right? Um, so that's all my my fuel for the fire. I'm not like raging. I'm not you know, raving mad or whatever, but um, I'm amped up. I, I I think that this that Michigan State has a fighting chance even as a 21.5-point dog. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, is it going to take a lot of lucky bounces? Is it going to take a near-perfect game? Maybe. Maybe, but so did those other games that I was talking about. Um, games that I was at, 1993, 1990, you know, I was at those games. 2001, I was at that game. Like, I've been at these games. I've seen these games. I've seen it happen because it matters more to Michigan State. Yeah, It, it just does. More. It does. Weird Say all you happens. want, it matters more to Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, I mean, you know what it is? It's Halloween weekend, folks. Weird stuff happens. It usually Black cats. Yeah. Never know. Salt night over games. the shoulder, werewolves. You know, I mean, look, game-wise, you, you know, Michigan State's getting healthy up in the front, especially going to have to bottle up Blake Corum, no doubt about it. I'm not afraid of J.J., Jesus Jr. I'm just not. He's he's a more athletic Cade, the way things are. He's uh, he, <laughs> They have not thrown, they have not pulled the reins off of him. Um, he's just a flashier what the fans wanted, but he still is a Harbaugh game manager. And until he can throw for 300 against a good team or can throw for 300 against a Michigan State secondary, which is piss poor, I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. Corm, I'm buying that offensive line. I'm buying. Um, That scares me, to be honest, you know, if I'm the Michigan State defense and as a Michigan State fan. Going to wrap up. um, You know, going to have to be able to tackle. Going to have to keep Henderson healthy. Going to have to be able to get to the quarterback. Winmon's going to have to do some things. You know, I kind of was – in a way, hoping Michigan State might scheme something brand new for the Michigan game, but they unveiled the 4-3 against Wisconsin. Okay, give Michigan a little bit of look on film. I wish Darius Snow could just miraculously come back. He would be helpful. 
Michigan's got good receivers, but their their passing game doesn't scare me. They're going to get their yards. They're going to get what they get. Don't give up the home runs to Blake Corm. I think is a huge key. And then for Michigan State's offense, just keep finding that balance. Find a way to run the ball. I don't think Michigan's defensive line is nearly as good as it was last year. They they still haven't. I mean, Penn State's the best team that they've played, and they're good but not great. Um, so if Michigan State can establish some run and then get you know Reed and get Coleman loose and work the middle of the field with Carr and Barker, you know, get Mosley involved. A lot of times Michigan State will have like a third receiver that has a really good game. You know, Thorne's got to be on his game. He can't be playing like he his girlfriend broke up with him. No. He can't be making Wisconsin mistakes. You know, it's got to be a Michigan State's got to be plus in the turnover margin. Um, Michigan State's got to put some pressure on JJ. They can't just let him have all day to pick him apart because Michigan's not dumb, right? They're going to try to expose Michigan State's secondary in, in our defense. Um, you got to maintain an equal balance of field, you know, of um, time of possession. Historically, I I used to know the stat. It was something like forty five out of forty six games. The team that ran the ball the most yards won. Yeah. I think it's still pretty close to yeah, that. It's very clearly was the case last year. I mean, Thorne had a pretty decent game, but K nine went for almost two hundred and five touchdowns. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, the probably the biggest thing that could tip the game that scares me the most is Michigan State's kicking game, not the punting game. Because I think Behringer's great. I think return wise, Reed's had two touchdowns called back because of penalties. He could Henry's he could break playing. one, and he might have to break one. Henry's been good if Michigan State's going to be able to return kicks. I'm not worried about that, but the actual place kicking game scares the absolute piss out of me if a game gets down to that. Yeah, um, I, I mean if it's seventeen to sixteen to tie it on the last play of the game, I'm probably going there. for two. Like I instead of kicking, instead of kicking the extra point, right? Yeah, like that's anyway. that's how shaky I am with Michigan State's kicking game. I and we'll talk about it in in the prediction. It comes up in my score prediction too. So um, yeah, I have three keys on both sides of the ball. Um, defensively, wrap up, tackle in space. You have to tackle in space because Blake Corum is going to get out there and he can make you miss. Sound of Edwards can do the same thing. Hell, JJ, if he gets in space, he can. He's fast. He can. He's a good athlete. He can make you miss. They have guys that can make you miss. You have to freaking tackle. You have to wrap up and bring them down. Number two, you have to get pressure on the quarterback because I think if you pressure JJ McCarthy, I don't think he knows what to do. He can make some. He's he hasn't. He hasn't pants. been pressured so far. He, he will. Yeah. Lo- he's not going to know what to do. He's going to make. He makes mistakes. He's a. He's a risk taking quarterback. He was marginal against Iowa, who is a good deal. De- Arguably, certainly He's better defense than Michigan State, but he was he was it was the running game against Penn State. It's not been it's not been him. on his shoulders. You so. got to hit him. You got to rattle him. I almost take away the run game and say, "Fine, beat us through the air." Yeah, that's what I think that that, that they will do. At number three, you gotta you gotta force turnovers, whether that be a fumble, a pick, it's something. You gotta make some game changing play. And I guess it's a fourth one, three A. Um, you got to get off the field on third down. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can't. It's got to make it third and medium to long because third and short, they're saying the ball off and they're off. Yeah, the they got match. a phenomenal offensive line. Yeah, it's, it so. is what it is. I'm going to tell you that. Um, offensively, get the ball out fast. Michigan State's offensive line sucks. I would like to see some quick hitting screens. I'd like to see some over the middle passes. I get think throwing out of the pocket, get him out, roll him out a little bit, a little trickery, some some draws, um, some misdirection, some trickery. I, that's I, quick hitters. I think that big bring time. back the counter pitch that Michigan State ran 
with two huge DeAndre Cobb touchdowns in, I think it was the 2004 triple overtime loss game where Drew Stanton got absolutely just bashed to the ground in a cheap way and it, he had to go out of the game and then we lost because Damon Dowdell was our backup. But like counter pitch in that game was a thing of beauty. DeAndre Cobb ran for over 200 yards, two huge runs on that. So like I agree, you misdirection, change it up. Don't go to the expected. Michigan State hasn't run a ton of trick plays this year. And I'm not talking about flea flicker. I'm talking about like the pass, like read through to Coleman. Like put your athletes in space and make Michigan's defense work. Like their defense is good, but it's not as good as it was last year. It's not great. Um, you know, they've got a Santa Strills, a converted receiver as one of their starting cornerbacks. So I don't think their corners can keep up. I, with I Michigan think State. I you know Michigan State has an advantage in the wide receiver to straight up corner game, and I think Absolutely. you got to find a way to get your playmakers the ball. You got to get the ball to freaking Daniel Barker and to freaking Malik Carr in the middle of the field. You have to get it to them. Sit them down there. They're big bodies. They're going to catch the ball. Get it to them. I don't want to see Tyler Hunt have any targets. I want those two to have five plus targets apiece. Yeah. Number two, uh, take care of the ball. We cannot turn the ball over. If we turn the ball over, we're toast. Thorne's got to play a clean game. Can't do anything stupid. Number three, um, it just escaped my head. What was it? I can't remember. Oh, no stupid back-breaking penalties. I'm talking Talking about you, you, Jarrett. Jarrett half-shirt horsed. None of that shit. No extracurriculars. Good for a we, personal foul nope, game. None of that. Because you know that there's going to be talking and there's going to be emotion and whatever else. And I'm telling you, the big schools at home get the favorable calls in that way, and you cannot shoot yourself. Penalties in the foot will kill you. Penalties. And then like finally, discipline. Special teams. No blunders. No kick coverage busts. No punt coverage busts. No muffs. We convert our extra points. You do all that stuff, you got a fighting chance. Yep. Which gets us to the prediction. I Michigan State, against the spread. I, I on the thing we are, but we can make a prediction in general. I I'm saying 21 and a half. Michigan State's going to cover this, I think, with ease. I don't care if Michigan's better. This is a rivalry game. Michigan State's going to play with their hair on fire. They're going to be pissed off. They're tired of hearing it. We've won two in a row. It's an easy cover, in my opinion. Yeah, I would say that too. Like my head definitely says, and I agree with this, no way Michigan covers the three touchdowns. I just don't, in a rivalry game, since 1987, so in 35, 36 years, only in 1992, 2002, and 2019, with far worse Michigan State teams than this, has Michigan State lost by more than this spread. Yeah. So my head would say, if Michigan State's going to lose this game, it's going to be like in the 30 to 13 range or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not going to be a runaway one way or the other. It wasn't even a runaway against Ohio State. They beat us. They covered the spread, beat us by 29. But, like, that's a that was a big improvement over last year with arguably not as good a team. So my head definitely says that. I'll give you my prediction first. Beware the Spartan dog. Just beware the Spartan dog. This game means more to Michigan State than Michigan Period. They can say all they want. You can print all you want. The free press and all that other birdcage and hamster and gerbil material, cage material can say all at once. The Michigan State beat writers can bash on Michigan State all they want. Nobody cares more about this game than Michigan State players, coaches, fans, alum, subway alum, family, extended family, people born into the tradition. 
it's just simple. Again, lip service isn't worth a dime. That's all it is coming out of Michigan. It's the thumping or we knew we know we're better. We knew we were better last year. We should have. We could have. We didn't. But it doesn't matter. Michigan State pulls a stunner, twenty to seventeen, uh-huh. with a late touchdown. But they missed the extra point because we always miss an extra point. Twenty to seventeen, Michigan State. They miss an extra point. Michigan gets a chance to go down late. I'm not really? going to say that they're not going to get into field goal range. Michigan State wins this game. Wow. I like it. I'm not that confident. Um, I think it'll be close, but I think Michigan State makes some sort of dumb mistake. And I think they're going to lose like 27 to 14. Close. It'll be close, and then Michigan will close the door on them. I, that's a, I hope we win, but... I don't know. See, I just, I, I just envision this where you know Michigan State is It'd down seventeen fourteen, and just goes on a miraculous, like a two minute drill, like the nineteen ninety five game where Banks was just wheeling and dealing, and Michigan State got a fortunate spot on fourth down with Scotty Green, and they had the ball go through Charles Woodson, a freshman Charles Woodson's hands into Derek Mason's hands, and then Tony scrambled and hit Nigeria Carter. For the game, what was the game-winning touchdown? Now, Michigan State scored that touchdown with about a minute 15, minute 20, minute 30 to go. That's kind of how I envision this to go with Michigan State missing the extra point because that's been an MO this year. And Michigan having about a minute and a half and two or three of their timeouts left to get into field goal range. I think Michigan State's defense makes a big play. Winmon makes a big play, keeps Michigan um, like maybe in the middle of the field or inbounds at a key juncture when it's maybe fourth down so they can't spike it and Michigan does not get a chance to kick a game tying field goal. Michigan State runs off with Paul again. We'll hear all the excuses from Michigan fans, the but we're better, but I don't care. I'll tell you this right now. Newsflash, you are better. Duh. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. I love it. Sprint. Uh, Most disappointing college football teams this year. Team. I don't know why I said team. Team. Let's go with Desmond's three. Pitt, Texas A&M, and Baylor. Four and three, three and four, three and four. Oh, playoff picks Desmond? Not. Nah. I said, yeah, A&M for me. Um, well, I, I Perennially they, they are. They, they suck. What is your favorite slash best Michigan excuse that you've heard? This is the funniest in your lifetime. Mine is, it was raining. <laughs> Uh, oh man, I, I there's just so many because every time, like when it was few and far between, and it was like we would win, kind of we were on a cycle winning like every three years 84, 87, 90, 93. Like Michigan State literally went on this, and then 95, they broke that three year streak. There was, there's always an excuse the ref, this, the timekeeper, this, the punter, this. Like I, I can't even pick one because there's always one. There's just, always an excuse and, and it's not just from the fans it's from the butt hurt players too like you say this game matters then you don't act like it then you lose and then you whine about it and that's what makes us hate you even more and love to hate you even more yeah i agree uh will the lions when it's all said and done have the number one pick in the 2023 nfl draft yes I agree. Couldn't agree more. They Will they burn it on somebody worthless? Yes. Yeah, probably. For like freaking Will Levis. If they draft Will Levis, I will literally, <laughs> I will 
I will. Murder. I already. They're already not my team anymore after Hutchinson because yes. even though he had two sacks against Dallas, he's still been a. He's been a huge disappointment as a number two pick. Last one. Who's Michigan State's most important player on Saturday? Um, oh boy, that's tough because you could go a few different directions. Honestly, I think in a game like this, to pull an upset, your best players have to play the best. I think it's it's Reed. I think that I think Michigan State's win, the twenty to seventeen win, is going to include a punt return for a touchdown because Michigan State has set it up really well this year. And they've just had, like, the Wisconsin one was that was just a crazy, stupid, shouldn't have been called penalty. I don't remember what it was against Akron, um, if it was Akron or Western or whatever game that was. But I think it's Reed. I think your best players have to show up. I think he's going to have to make a great corner grab like he did against Wisconsin to win the game. I think he's going to have to return a punt. I think, you know, of course, you got to have Thorne get him the ball. But I, I think it's a guy like Reed. It's a put your money where your mouth is. This is why you came back to school type of game. I like it. I'm going PT. Um, he's got to play clean. He's got to be smart. He's got to probably run a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. That was a long one, but we had to talk. The, for the non-Michigan State, Michigan fans, you can, you can cut it. off the last half an hour or so. I mean, it was very obviously we kind of put kind of two pods into one today. So, Yeah. Well, appreciate you guys listening. Pound that like button. Uh, Tell your friends, uh, leave a comment if you want, tell us we're good, tell us we're bad, whatever you want. Follow us on social media, Bonsco35 on Twitter. Um, uh, yeah, let us know what you think the score is going to be on Saturday. Um, let us know what you're doing for the game, if you got anything fun going on. Um, send us, I, I don't care, maybe we'll, we'll share some social media pictures, I don't know. We'll do something, yeah, for sure. Shout out to Team Anders Realtors, our presenting sponsor. Fantastic people, fantastic realtors. Hit them up while the market is still decent and you can still make some good Five coin on your your house or your condo. Um, it's going to change after the election, I guarantee it. Um, meantime, as one classical Mark D'Antonio once said, we're laying in the weeds. We've beat Michigan the last, he said, four years, now two years. So where's the threat? <laughs>